Welcome to Chronic Relief. My guest today needs no introduction. Um, please welcome Jim Belushi. Well, hello. Thank you. It's I nice mean, to be here. the thing was, is like, I was reading through your bio and I was like, what does Jim Belushi not do? <laughs> <laughs> what can't you do? I couldn't even, if I started introducing you, I mean, I would, I'd still be here. Like, I'd still be welcoming you to the podcast. So, um, yeah, that's, thank you for coming on my podcast. By the way, what's not on, <laughs> on that page is that uh, I was a busboy. I was a, uh, I waited tables. I did pantry work. I was a short order cook. I painted houses. I roofed houses. I kicked carpet. <laughs> I cleaned restaurants from 12 to 7 at night. Wow. Uh, to make some money. I, uh, I even one time, when we were at Second City in a touring company, uh, there was a this, you know, cops used to hang out in the, the neighborhood, and this one. Well, we I did an extra in a movie called The Fury. Okay. All right, Brian De Palma movie. Okay. And I was so aggressive. <laughs> this was my first shot in the movies. And me and my friend Lee Ryan were extras, and I was so aggressive that I got fired the next day. No way. Yeah, because I was, I did this on Letterman. I showed the clip. I was walking in front of Amy Irving, then walking behind her, then walking in front of her, and I kept circling her. And I, apparently, Brandon Palmas and Daly's going, Who's that? Get rid of them. Really? So that was my first movie gig. I got fired. But anyway, there was a detective that was working the shoot. And he saw me and Lee, and he said, you guys want to make a little money? And we said, yeah, what is it for? He goes, it's acting. I said, yeah, we'll do it. What is it? He goes, well, I got a buddy of mine. He's a bookie, and he works on the north side here. And there's this other bookie that's kind of coming in his territory. And that other bookie, we don't know. He may have some people behind him. And my guy's just an independent operator and uh, – He's going to meet with the guy to try to make a deal, and I want him to – well, he wants to show the other guy that maybe he's got some people behind him. Okay. And you guys are big guys. And my buddy Lee Ryan played football for Purdue, right? All I need you to do is to sit in the restaurant. They'll talk. You don't have to sit with them. Just sit there. 25 bucks a piece. It was like, yes! Amazing. Yes, 25 bucks. So – I was I was kind of a hitman in a yeah. way, right? I was a, so we're sitting there, and <laughs> it's the seminary restaurant on Lincoln Avenue in Fullerton, and uh, you know we're waiting and we're waiting. I go, I'm hungry, Lee. I'm hungry, and I look in the little counter and I go, Oh my god, I got tapioca pudding! I love tapioca pudding. <laughs> so I ordered tapioca pudding, then I'm eating it, and they walk in. And I was like, I'm supposed to be a tough guy. Yeah. And I'm eating tapioca pudding. Least tough guy thing to do ever. So I take the spoon and I start banging into the metal <laughs> cup. Like I'm like just a tough guy eating <laughs> tapioca pudding. So I've done almost everything yeah. for money. That's amazing. We were just talking about how, uh, you know, well, we were talking about comedy specifically. My way into comedy was the back way and through watching, you know, like comedians and um you know perfecting their craft and as i was i mean like you've had such a vast career like my how did you where did cannabis fit into all of this well i mean you know i was a bit of a hippie when i was a kid i mean you so know. you've always smoked weed 
Well, I... Because you grew up in Chicago where it wasn't very... Well, was I actually illegal. grew up in Chicago and then moved to Wheaton, Illinois, which is the all-American city, voted in 1967. There was as many churches as gas stations. And my dad moved us out of Chicago because he didn't want us to be members of gangs. Okay. So uh, I became the crime rate in Wheaton. Oh, wow. And, you know, it was a hippie time. We were doing... You know, acid and mushrooms or whatever and smoking pot and drinking beer. I went to like three rock festivals one summer, you know. Wow. Experimented with the amphetamines and that that was, I just did that once and I'll never do that yeah, again. Yeah, that's just not Ca- for me. Either. No, caffeine is about as far as I go with that. So uh, I got busted for smoking marijuana in the park there a couple times. I- I've never really been a big smoker. Yeah. Because uh, I, I never allowed alcohol or marijuana or anything that alters me to get between me and my work. Would you ever perform high? No, that's one of my point. Okay. My point is uh, the adrenaline and the Jones that I get from working and performing and collaborating is such a beautiful feeling that I don't want to – it doesn't need to be enhanced – Right. And most of the time, if you're drinking, especially, it brings your rhythms down, your energy down, and reaching for that adrenaline that is so precious to me. Uh, so I never really interfere. And because I've been working a lot right. for my whole career, I, I never really had time to get high a lot. Right. And then there was a period of time where I just didn't trust it. Mm-hmm. Uh you know, there's some uh, BDS analytics been doing some great data research. And one of the major consumer desires when they purchase cannabis is to be able to control how they their experience. Feel. Yeah. That's the phrase, controlling their experience. Mm-hmm. You know how you're going to feel with a bottle, uh, with a glass of wine, mm-hmm. two beers, or a shot. And with cannabis, you don't really know. Right. And. You know, in the 70s and even the 80s, that the THC content of those joints from Colombia and Mexico were 6%. You know, you could smoke a whole joint. And then the hybrid came and, you know, I'm selling strains from my farm that are 28%. Right. And that's what they buy. By the way, I prefer 16%, 17% THC with a 2 to 3% terpene value. Because it creates much more of an entourage effect and the paranoia and the anxiety doesn't come from it. Right. So in the 70s and 80s, I take a hit off a joint. It's like, oh, Jesus, oh, my God. I just start getting paranoid. I'd be on the couch. I couldn't talk to people. So it scared me for a long time. Right. So now I, I do partake in it mainly as a medicine. Okay, so that's your approach to. I mean, it is a, a medicine first and foremost. I, well, listen. The number one fear in life is death. Mm-hmm. The number two fear in life is the collapse of family. Okay. When families collapse, they collapse from divorce. That's a trauma to the children. They collapse. Eighty percent of the families collapse if there's a disease in the family. Mm-hmm. Uh, the illness. Uh, they lost somebody in war. Mm-hmm. They lose somebody from a terrible auto accident. Right. Uh, 
uh, alcoholism creates trauma in a family. And most families in America come from collapsed families. Right. I definitely came from a collapsed family. Uh, and then with John passing in such a huge international way, it was extremely traumatic. So I believe I suffer with most people uh, some form of PTSD. Right. Which is an unbalancing of the homeostasis of the endocannabinoids in your body. Right. And when you put cannabinoids into your body, it it balances out the endocannabinoids. So uh, rage comes from it. Making poor decisions comes mm-hmm. from it. So when I – I'll give you an example. I have a strain called cherry pie. Okay. That's – it's delicious. It's about a 19% THC, but it has about a 3% terpene. Okay. So there's a real nice chill to it. And I like it because I don't get too high. I can still function. So to give you an example, my wife, when I come downstairs, she says, uh, are you hungry? <laughs> I go, yeah. She goes, let's go out and get some. Okay. What do you have a taste for? I say, uh cheeseburger she says oh i don't know that's a little heavy for me anything else yeah well let's get some sushi over on sotel oh i had sushi with my mom last night anything else well let's go to Otsasante here on san francisco natural foods oh cilantro 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 they put cilantro in everything i can't stand cilantro and i'm like what the hell are you even asking me what i want to eat when you know damn well we're going to eat where you want to eat, yeah. and we're going to eat what you want to eat. Where what? did she choose? Oh, you jerking me off like this. <laughs> so now I take a little hit off my cherry pie. She doesn't know. I come downstairs. She goes, are you hungry? Yes. What do you want to eat? I said, baby, we can eat a Taco Bell as long as you're sitting across from me. Yeah. And Amazing. she's like, aren't you charming? <laughs> Am I? So I call... The cherry pie, the marriage counselor. Because it makes you sweet. It makes you sweet. Yeah. I love I need that. Well, you know what happened? I told that story in Oregon, and it went through Oregon, and people are coming in dispensaries going, where's the marriage counselor? He I needs need it. it. We need it. Right. So anyhow, I don't really, uh, I just kind of medicate. I don't get blasted. I don't, you know. Yeah. What other, so that's one strain, um, is that's your, le- what would your, do you have a strain that's for sleep? I have six strains and I'm developing some other great land ray strains, yeah. which I should tell you about. Yeah. But my six strains, uh, I, I'm, I'm renaming them. Okay. Uh, I call Cherry Pie the marriage counselor. I love that. I'm going to have to try that. Yeah, yeah. Well, because um, before we get into your strains, like I personally... I uh, used to take a lot of pharmaceuticals, like from a very young age. I, my parents sought the pharmaceutical route for like anxiety, bipolar. I was misdiagnosed, a bunch of things. Like went through the whole, uh, you know, process or whatever. And then when I was in college, I came off pharmaceuticals and like used cannabis to kind of like oh. treat, you know, everything. Yes. People look at me like, you know, they're like, "How do you smoke so much weed?" But it's like if you knew the amount of medication I was taking at a very young age when my brain was still developing and like the trauma that I'm still like dealing yes. with that, yes, and like like lithium and stuff, you know, know, just and like the and if only like you know parents had 
access and like now you know kids have access to cbd and just like the alternative what that would have done for me as far as brain development yeah. <laughs> or whatever so it's really cool that um that you look at it like i that took and- it look at total medicine and by the way the cbd market and I'm not anti-medication either. I'm no, all no, about, no. I'm all about like find what works for you. But there, there are people who need to know that it's okay to seek this route and feel comfortable. And I think you're absolutely playing right. a part of that. And I, it's really I, cool. I believe in it. I I believe that you know I do dispensary visits. I grow. I, I know about the plant. I know about the science. I know about flushing the irrigation system two weeks before in order to keep the ash white. I know. Quite a bit, and and the great thing about this industry is I keep learning, and it's just so fully engaging. But the I go to visits, and I had a veteran approach me one time, and he just stared at me, and I went, hello. And he says, you know, I'm a veteran. I was a medic in Iraq, and I saw things that happened in the human body that nobody should ever see in their life. He goes, I have, believe it or not, like triple PTSD, they said. He said, I can't talk to my wife. I have a hard time relating to my children, and I can't sleep. He said, your black diamond OG is the only strain that brings me to a place where I can converse with my family and sleep. And he teared up and he hugged me. And I said, I I didn't make it, man. He said, no, but you're the steward. Yeah. So I call that the medicine, but I call that one assisted living. Right. <laughs> really? Is yeah. that the name of it? I'm going to call it assisted living. Oh, my living. God. I should get some for my grandfather. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. And then I got one called Bouncy House. You know? Oh, my God. Yeah. Okay. So point. I'm creating names instead of calm. You're exper- no, you're, it, these are experiences. Yeah, right? instead of calm, relax, Ugh. sleep. Yeah, I I call it bouncy house. I yeah. call it recess. I call it. Uh, I got one called ice pack, which you know is the anti-inflammatory. <laughs> um, is that heavy in CBD? No, none of my strains have a lot of CBD. Uh, um, again, I believe in the THC and the terpene values, and I believe CBD is actually more beneficial with a certain amount of THC. Okay. Because that is an entourage yeah, effect. Yeah, for sure. So, and in this industry right now, CBD is such a hot commodity that there's a lot of shit CBD out there. Right. Like the fake stuff that's in Sephora that's being marketed as real. Well, you know, there's a difference between whole spectrum right. and dissolute. I like the dissolute CBD. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, whole spectrum plants when they make uh, RSO oil or Rick Simpson oil. Yep. That is the best medicine for cancer. I mean, really for cancer. You believe, like, I know we're seeing articles and stuff, but it is killing cancer cells, right? We're not crazy. I don't, you know, Steve D'Angelo actually explained it to me. Okay, let's hear it. I can't really not remember. I just, he's so articulate. But he, he had, somebody had a tumor. And I said, well, what was it that you gave him? I gave her everything. Okay. I tried everything. Uh, THC, uh, candy, uh, brownies, uh, CBD, smoking joints, uh, RSO. He goes, I just kept doing it. And then he explained to me the chemical in marijuana and how it circulates the tumor and actually kills a certain cell. And I, I, and I can't sit here and quote him because it was too complicated. Right. For but me. what ended up happening was this cancer was killed. It, the 
tumors shrink. I have a friend of mine in Chicago who has an inoperable tumor in his neck. And he's like, I said, you know, you should try some uh, some CBD, you know. Well, they get me high. I don't want to get high. And I said, no, no. People are so afraid of being Well, okay. what happened was I gave him the CBD, right? And I said, how you doing, you know. And then I said, I think you should try this this RSO, this Rick Simpson oil. And he goes, well, it get me high. And I finally said, you're naive. Shut up. <laughs> and, he went, yeah. and I intimidated him. Yeah. And you take one rice-sized drop, put it under your tongue at night. And first of all, you can sleep through the high yeah. if you're nervous about the high. His tumor in the last eight months has gone from 3.7 to two three wow now granted he also you know is doing the last year he did the radiation okay so i don't know i don't know does it work i can't say it does but who knows yeah and uh now he's he's i I send him stuff you know when i can so your farm is in Oregon. Southern Oregon, yeah. I saw the video. It looks so stunning up uh, there. It's beautiful. Is that like where you go to relax and self-care? Self-care. That's a good word. Do you word. like that term yeah, that they that yeah. they that the media has created? Yeah, self-care. <laughs> I'm learning. I feel like I like how do you self-care? How do I self-care? How does Jim Belushi self-care? Well, like what do you do for like for to relax is it is it cannabis is it like going uh, spending time on the farm like well the farm i'm right on along the rogue river and you know i don't want to get too out there on you but you know the, the spot i'm in is between table rock and mount mclaughlin and there's this huge beautiful energy that comes between those two and i'm like right there along the river so I got the mountain spirits i got the river spirits i feed my plants directly from the river it's almost a Perfect pH between six four and six nine. Wow. Uh, the sun there can get up to sixteen hours in the summer. There's two hundred ninety two days of sunlight. That's mother, mother Earth and Father Son blend with the river spirits. I mean, this spot I'm in. How did you find it? Ah, it's a a friend of mine. He's uh, he has a place six miles down the river, twenty five hundred acres, and I used to go up there. Spring and fall hmm. uh, with my kids and his kids. They were in the same class together. And I dove into the river naked. <laughs> and I came out and I went, I should look for a place around here. Yeah. So I was like baptized in this water spirit. Yeah. And then I asked the caretaker, I said, keep your eye open. And he, he said, I found a place that was like, I don't know if you're going to hate it or love it. And it was an old Elks picnic grounds. Mm-hmm. And it was 1,800 feet along the river, 13 acres, and it had a picnic grounds, picnic tables built by the high school, local high school, for the Elks. It has a stage. I was like, yes, a stage <laughs> along the river. I see me and the band blowing yeah. my mind. And I, I got it. I cleaned it up. It took a year to clean up. You couldn't even see the river. And I built a house there. And then the farm came up behind me, Becca's farm. She's the sweetest lady I've ever known. Yeah. And she, unfortunately, she had cancer and passed, and oh, she no. wanted me to have it. So I bought the 80 acres from her and have a life estate for her husband. And 
Charlie. And so now I got this farm, and it's like well, I grow alfalfa, cows, uh, <laughs> and became recreational. I said, well, let's grow some pot. Yeah. And Danny Aykroyd said, oh, you should meet uh, Captain Jack. <laughs> so Captain Jack. Perfect. 71 and 72 went to the mountains of Masjarif in Afghanistan, the bottom of the Kush Mountains. Yeah. Where this area was known for centuries for its hashish because it's not far from the Silk Road. Right. And he worked there for two summers. And at the end of the second summer, the elders trusted him and gave him a handful of seeds. He brought him back and he's been growing seed to flower for 42 years. Wow. And the reason Danny knows him is because he was the weed dealer for SNL back then. I can't. That's so amazing. This is such an amazing story. And his his nickname, the smell of SNL. Really? So I have that strain. Oh my god! I, uh, can you? Can I? Ha- so can I, I need the, to try this. So you want the Captain Jack? You want the marriage counselor? I want you, all of them. You want I the need assisted to- <laughs> living for your grandparents? Yeah. I'm very excited about I this. I need something for everything. That's literally everything. I mean, I I'm wanted to change about. the name to Writer's Block. That's a good one too. Because apparently, I, I talked to the son of uh, the sound guy at SNL that was back there back then. Okay. And he said, "My father never told me anything." And he said, "You know, now he's like 88, and he started telling me little stories." And he said. You can tell when John and Danny and some of the writers were coming down the hall because the smell preceded them. Hells yeah. And that was Captain Jack's stuff. <laughs> so they were writing on that stuff. Yeah. Man. That's where Coneheads came out of. All oh, that my God. Stuff. Classic. Right. I love that movie. Such yeah. a great movie. Wow. This, these are these stories are legendary. Thank yeah. you for sharing them. Oh, well. Wait. So I, I saw that you just got back from Columbia. Cool. Trip. Yeah. Tell us. Tell me about that. Like you went with um, Jared Mursky was there, or who did you go? Or I don't know if you went with him. Who did you? You went there for. To- there was a conference in Cartagena uh, on May 9th. Uh, it was the first conference for South America about talking about hemp and okay. THC uh, um, strains, and I was asked to speak. And that's so cool. Is and it's not. It's uh, legal. There, like, well, it's interesting in Columbia because when I was there the second day, there was a hundred thousand person march in Bogota, okay, about the legalization of marijuana. And it, I got footage of it because I'm doing a, a show also, so I got footage of it. Of these, and Steve D'Angelo was there also. Wow, yeah, Steve is a good friend of mine and a mentor and a good teacher. And this was there for 20. Uh, so I went there uh, in Bogota, and I went to uh, Medellin, Medellin, and then Cartagena. And I'm doing a reality show based on my farm. Okay. And this, I took cameras with me, and we shot for nine days. And it's, first of all, it's hysterical. Uh, second of all, uh, talk about medicine. Yeah. This is some great medicine. We are in search of the Famous Santa Mata Gold. Okay. Which was a strain in the 70s came to the United States. Mm-hmm. And it's a sacred strain. And so the A story is us trying to find the strain. But in the meantime, we're talking to government people. 
We're talking to the smokers on the street. Uh, we're talking to indigenous uh, uh, growers. Mm-hmm. And I, I picked up about four different strains there. And we filmed it, and it's going to be in this reality show. That's really cool. And uh, it was a great trip. The, the, the problem in Colombia is, not the problem, but one of the great things about Colombia is they have consistent weather. So they can actually do three to four grow cycles uh, with the sun. Right. It's perfect there. Yeah. So, you know, it's a natural plant. And it would create an industry for them. Yes. And the 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 politics of it is that the government has sanctioned it for export only. Okay. So there's this huge money coming in with big farms that are producing marijuana, that are, they're making it into oil, and they have contracts in the UK, the EU, Australia, Germany, and they're shipping it all out. The regular residents of Colombia are allowed 20 plants. Mm. They can't smoke it outside. They can't sell it. They can't give it away. But it's strictly for medicine. You can grow it. Okay. So part of that that march was about why aren't you opening it up to all of us? Right. You're doing it for, do you think this is going to be our next coffee agriculture to export? Mm-hmm. And so it's funny because there's a bit of a conservative government in Colombia right now, uh, but they see the business. Right. The but, value of that. But they don't see the value of, I mean, they do give me of the social points. of the like social justice behind it. Yeah. And like, yeah. So, but they're, they're moving forward just like we are, mm-hmm. you know, but it yeah. was a great trip. Very funny. Very fun. Did you ever imagine in your lifetime you would ever see cannabis the way that it is today uh i again i didn't really get into it till about three four years ago yeah um i I mean i didn't have a dealer here or anything i wasn't buying well what was that moment like for you getting into it have like what like what was slow yeah it was easy it was like all right let's let's grow it yeah captain jack and another guy uh, Jeffrey Iverson, who's a great geneticist with with these strains, he's a grower out of Bend. I mean, Oregon is known as the state of cannabis. Right. They grow the best marijuana in the country. Outdoor? Outdoor, especially. Mm-hmm. Indoor, you can replicate anywhere. Right. But the water makes a difference. So the water in Oregon, it's like you get a bagel in New York. Of course. You can get the same bagel here. and it doesn't. So the water and the, the air... That where I am, from Napa to about twenty miles north of me, is a parallel that circles the globe and goes to uh, Bordeaux, up uh, uh, Burgundy, Bordeaux. Uh, it is it's just a great planting parallel. I mean, it centers the the United States, like Illinois and Kansas and yeah. Indiana, where they have all that great soil and the right sun and the right rain. So I'm in what they call the banana belt. Okay. I have the perfect storm. So all of them are artisan growers up there. Right. Similar to Humboldt County. Okay. But Humboldt County had a little bit more of, of a strain because – the reason Humboldt County became popular was because they could grow marijuana in Humboldt County because they could hide right in the mountains. 
So now you're in the mountains. You're along the Pacific coast. You got moisture problems along the coast. You have infestation of uh, rustic mites, uh, predators. Ooh. You have altitude. There's so much to consider. Have, oh, yes, it's farming. So it wasn't necessarily the greatest pot in the world, but it was plentiful. Right. And 85% of the marijuana consumed in the United States came from the West Coast. So the black market was quite prevalent. And Private. Southern Oregon was part of that and uh, still a problem with uh, the black market. Uh, but they're edging it out, which I think is great because now you know what you're getting. You know it's pesticide-free. You know it's it's natural. Everything is – the government is – the state governments have really put a lot of restrictions. And I'm not complaining about it. Yeah. Because it's good, clean marijuana. Right. You know exactly what you're consuming, where it's coming from, yes. what it's going to do to you. Yes. There's a level of security and like – um. You know, just accountability to the industry. Yes, yes. That yes. a lot of that's what people were envisioning for us was um, a, a way for us to safely consume our medicine. Yes, and now going back to that other phrase that consumer wants to be able to control his experience. Now the dreaded, fearful edible mm-hmm. before regulation. You know, every... you can purchase like five thousand milligrams. I was working at a dispensary. That's what I'm saying. I mean, uh... what are you doing at five thousand uh... milligrams, bro? Well, I, yeah, I... I hope it's not driving a car because yeah, it'll knock you out. And people people all... could buy like endless like a bunch of them too. Well, at least now with regulation, you know that uh, Kiva, which makes a great chocolate, mm. right? She gives you a 100-milligram chocolate bar, breaks it up into 10. You can break off 10 milligrams. Oh, yeah. You can break that off into Those four. blueberries are amazing, too. Oof. Yeah, 4 milligrams, right? 2 to 4 milligrams. Mm-hmm. I do 2.5 milligrams. Yeah. And it's my sleep aid. I don't mm-hmm. need... I don't take edibles during the day. No, no. It, or I will take them before a flight, like a long flight. Totally take it Oh, my a God. Flight. So amazing, right? <laughs> yeah. Life-changing. Like, I used to take Xanax, truthfully, and that was the worst. I, Terrible. I, I can't believe how society, how cool we are with society of, one, drugging such young kids and, like, just giving them, like, stuff like that. And I realized how many times I could have killed myself because yeah. I did mix alcohol and Xanax. Yeah. Who, who, do, who hasn't? taken a glass of wine and maybe a little bit of Xanax on right. a flight before right. and not realize you, that's a quick way to die. Yeah. And we're just luck we're one of the lucky ones cuz yeah. I know people who have. But now I just take one of these edibles and I rub some of that CBD THC lotion on my feet cuz your body your foot is a powerful absorbing agent and it um, absorbs oh, oh, CBD. I'm, try that. I'm telling you my mom who's never smoked weed in her life, it she swears by that stuff she gets wow. her lotion and i've never but it has Xanax. thc in it like a 10 to very 1 very little bit yeah but you need it to activate you need, you the need CB- it to activate to, the CBD. yeah but I, I mean you don't feel high it's like very much not like i don't want to compare it to xanax because i feel like there's a negativity but i i fall asleep and i don't yeah. wake up hungover no clear but i sleep through the night and that's a big thing for me because i'm a weird sleeper yeah i know most like, people are by the way yeah but like as a create my mind's just always going like that's when i start to create is when i lay down at night i woke like, up at two thirty two two nights ago jotting down jokes and ideas yeah. i was like 
I'm, and then I, whew, I could go back. To yeah, sleep. I have a notebook right by my bed. I have this too. It's just like that's. But sometimes I'm just like, okay, I'm, I shut it off. You yeah. know, <laughs> like go to bed. Yeah. But uh, yeah, you should definitely try the lotion. It's um, okay. life changing. Plus the edible. I mean, and then Boom. probably one of your, you know, joints or whatnot. But I mean, it, that this is the stuff that it's really cool to see. Like that's the thing that we're starting to see in the cannabis industry that I think is making it so much more mainstream is like celebrities and, you know, popular figures getting into can like putting their name behind cannabis. Well, the, you know, the, I've been I've been really lucky because I'm I'm into it. Yeah. I I grow it. I understand the science. I I'm a grower. I'm not a celebrity slapping you're, my name. Exactly. You're I'm not licensed. You're touching the plant. No, I'm and she's touching me, by yeah. the way. She is a <laughs> right. powerful girl, man. And by no means did I mean that at all because, like, I do know that there's an element of people. That's why when I walk into a dispensary, someone offered me a brand name the other day, and I was like, look, I try to stay away from celebrity brands. Yeah, But, like, you have – you. this is your farm. This is your baby. This is your life. Yeah. This is – you're putting your – you know everything everything into this and i that's so respectable and that's so cool so thank you um and it's really validating to the industry as well and it's going to do so many amazing things for cannabis and for people you know even the ones who don't believe in it it will change lives well i i had a question put to me one time by an interviewer and they said well what do you say to the naysayers and my answer was i haven't run into any yeah I've only run into curiosity. Mm-hmm. So I'm at my mother-in-law's house. My wife was out of town, so she thought I was going to be lonely or something. Invites <laughs> me for dinner. Sweet lady. She's 80. Her boyfriend is 84. Dang, an older man. Yeah, right? <laughs> Stan uh, was there with his wife there in their 80s. And another couple were in their uh, late 70s and 80s. And me. And, you know, talking one of the movies or whatever. And then all of a sudden they start talking about cannabis. This and sounds like a wild swingers party, by it, the way. It was, right? <laughs> and uh, all of a sudden, all six of them are like leaning forward. And all they want to know is my hands, my hands, my neck. I have a bad shoulder. And the one woman goes, I want to get high. Yeah. You know, so I literally went home. I'm like a pharmacist. I went home and I brought some CBD salve. I brought some... I brought a little uh, edibles. Yeah. And now they like they're sending me bottles of champagne. I love it. Because they want more of the salve, oh, right? Yeah. Cuz his hands are okay. Mm-hmm. I said, "Stan, you can go into any store and get yeah. it." You know? But that's the thing is like that ge- it's weird cuz like my gener I'm a millennial and it's like, you know, we we're like the new hippies. I feel like we grew up listening to rap music that had weed and bitches. You right, know, like right, from right. a very, I was listening to like the Chronic 2001 Snoop Dogg, you know, Dr. Dre album, like when I was 12. And I mean, but like my parents' generation, they're from the war on drugs, like the Ronald Ray, you know what I mean? Like, right. so, th- so like, but also you got, they were, hi- you guys were hippies too. So it's, I don't know, you guys got both. Like, we also grew up with Dare. So I'm not really sure, like, I guess it depends well, on where I you Well, I believe in dare. But my, but my thing but is... But I don't consider marijuana part of that Right, program. right. No, totally. But my thing is, is like, those, our grandparents' generation, like the 80-year-olds, they don't want to hear someone like me talk about cannabis. They would hear rather see someone like you well, come okay. in and like some. receive that information from, from you because yeah. as someone who's worked at a dispensary, like I noticed that certain people are more comfortable talking about cannabis 
to certain, you know, to someone who maybe looks like that, you know what I mean, is in Correct. their age range or whatever. And because, like, my parents, I mean, I tried to tell them for years, but, like, finally when I moved out here and it's like, here it is in your face, there's nothing they can do about it. And then I started sending them CBD and THC bath bombs and products they could identify with that right. wasn't like, you know, the, a joint. You know the product they can identify with? A pill. Right. That's fu- They're it's so fucked. They're so used up too. to taking pills. I know, but it's yeah, and it's weird that right because like my mom will not combust something. Right. She won't. She's not going to do it. Like my grandmother passed of lung cancer, so that's like a personal. But my dad, you know, like maybe when he's not a politician anymore, he can't blow up his spot. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, but yeah, but you know, like I just think that it's it's we're sending different messages because it's not it's not what a stoner was. This isn't just a here let's get high let's be stoned all the time this is no, a movement no, to like make people feel better yes. and have access to medicine and it's I not did, just i did you know. seven shows in four days in florida mm-hmm. uh i was i played at the which m- when i lived in florida a couple years ago i had the cops show up at my door because of a smell of marijuana oh. and they told me that if i wanted to smoke weed that i needed to do it at the beach and like oh. yeah and i was like so you want me to get in my car under the influence get high get back in my car under the influence and then come to my house sounds about right for sounds about right. but that was back when if they found even like a little speck right. you would get in trouble yeah well now they, they they've now opened it's more up. like yeah. medical so yeah. now I'm in the villages and most of the audience were baby boomers mm. and you know I do maybe about 15 20 minutes and then I bring my guys out Larry Joe Campbell and Josh Funk and Megan Grano, which they're the funniest people in the world. And we do an improvisational show. Okay. So I'm looking at this crowd, sold out, and I was like, this is kind of a baby boomer crowd. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. I said, how many people here, uh, Florida's legal, how many people use uh, cannabis? And, you know, about a third of them raised their hand. Yeah. And I said, how many people here have uh, any aches or pains? All of them raised their hand. And I said, I am t- I know your life right now. I know because I'm close to your age. I was a younger brother of the baby boomers that there's a slow malaise of depression that you find from aging. And I said, I know what you do. You go to the club and you have a gin and tonic and then you have another and then the next day, you don't feel so good, so you have to have one at lunch, a martini. Yeah. And so now you're filling your body with depressants from alcohol. Mm-hmm. I'm telling you, try the cannabis. Try a vape pen. You can't get too high on a vape pen. You will feel better. Your depression will lighten, and you won't feel bad from all the alcohol. And then I said, let's go to CBD now. Let's go to edibles. Start with two point. So I'm educating yeah. all these people, and they're all leaning forward, just like staying in the other. Is it weird that I have that malaise, like, now at 32? Like, is this? Is there... This malaise was passed on to you. It's gener- It's because of my culture. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, your culture is. I feel is, it, uh, like, every day. Maybe, you know, maybe that, that makes, uh, that's why. I, I... Social media. <laughs> Dude, I, I wrote, no, I wrote my first suicide note when I was seven. It was not social media. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah like, yeah, I was yeah. always, like, yeah, just, I had a, I mean, maybe it's because I had a mullet, too, and I just. The mullet will <laughs> kill yourself I'm telling mullet. you, my mom punished me well, for that, that, a few that, haircuts. That, listen, you know, my daughter's 19, and mm-hmm. she's in school, 
and she has very high anxiety. Yeah. And a very deep sense of sadness. So I, I don't know where you get this from because you lived in a nice family. You've I gone to know. a nice school. You have nothing. It's just this kind the of world. It's our. I think it's our response to the world. Yeah. In some way, you know. But it's also, I think, yes, and you know how we, how we. It's almost trendy to be neg. You know what I mean? To, to the self deprecation and like you know the. Oh, my daughter has a lot. of You that. know, and it's it's there's like a coolness to be depressed, but not really because as someone who lives with it, I'm like I would rather be so ignorant that like everything's great all yeah, the time right. almost. I know there's but, freedom in that, but there's I mean, but it's also like a sense of self awareness too. I think comes with it because it like the world is sad in yeah. a lot of ways, you know, and and to be happy is a is a to be content with your life is almost a privilege. You know Listen, what I mean? I I medicate with with the the vape pen from time to time uh not to necessarily feel happy but not to feel so uh hopeless right and uh, again it's that balance of the endocannabinoids in your body that homeostasis is fighting to balance you and that cannabis helps that i also yeah i wonder it'll be interesting to see how like cannabis plays with like mental health um you know, wow, look at what Denver did. I mean, Colorado with the. Uh... I, how do you feel about mushrooms? Because I'm I'm very curious. I've I took mushrooms for the first time a couple years ago, and I've only done it a handful of times, and I've always had a very positive experience. And I'm always I'm interested in these alternative medicines. And I I I I, I believe in it. I yeah. really do. I believe in it as, as something to blow out that that trauma. Yeah. To to realign your endocannabinoids. I mean. Uh, I I've actually gone as far as uh, I've I've gone to per, Peru and I've done uh, uh, ayahuasca ceremonies. So you are into the ayahuasca. Your support you support ayahuasca. I don't think it's for everybody. Okay. I mean, it's a very frightening experience. Yeah. But what it does is it scares out all those those spirits that are scaring <laughs> you all the time. It just does it scare you so straight that you're just like nothing in my life is as scary as this experience? <laughs> no, no. What it is is, uh, listen, we have this, ma- I don't even know how to begin. I mean, there was an experience that I had during an ayahuasca ceremony where my eyes were closed. I was sitting in a chair, my head was down and my mind was starting to, to rip. And I felt like these two hands underneath my, armpit lifting me mm-hmm. and I opened my eyes and there was nobody there. I thought, well, maybe the assistants are taking me to go to the bathroom. Yeah. So I just closed my eyes and lived the experience. And what they did is they moved me to a conference table in my mind, right? And sat me at the chair at the top. And then I, they sat me down and I look around the conference table and I see all these kind of spirits. They weren't scary or anything. They were just kind of figures, you know. And I talked to the shaman about it. And he said, well, you know, the spirits are basically saying, you're the head of this corporation. Yeah. And somewhere along the line, you'd let somebody else lead it. For example, your fear spirit. You're driving in a neighborhood that you don't feel safe in. And all of a sudden, your fear spirit says, turn left. And you turn left. Turn left again. You turn left again. And all of a sudden, oh, there's the 10. So now the fear spirit is like going, I saved you, didn't I? Mm -hmm. 
I saved you. I'll do a good job for you. Let me run the company for a while. And you let the fear spirit run over and you don't even know it. So I changed my relationship with all those spirits in me, the the fear, the doubt, the courage, the jealousy, the love, the compassion. And I have a working relationship with them. Yeah. And as an actor, when I need the fear spirit, I go, okay, let's work. The character is scared here. And then afterwards, I go, okay, go back, sit down. I know, but I did such a good job. I know you did. <laughs> you did such a good job. Now go sit down. Yeah. All right. And they pout. Yeah. So that ayahuasca experience helped me kind of regain control of who's running me. Right. Uh, that's a, that's such a cool way to look at it. Well, another experience I had was the the scary part of it is when you're starting to take off into the spiritual medicine land. And by the way, I had a shaman there who's awesome. Uh can watch you and guide you and sings these ecroses and the the reverberation of the voice sends you in different places. In my mind, all the voices are going, this guy's a fraud. This is a fraud. Get out of here. Get out of here. What's he doing to you? What's he doing to you? This was, this was bullshit. This is bullshit. Get out of here now. Get out of here now. And And he goes, what's going on? Are you all right? And I said, well, I got all these voices in my head, you know? And he goes, okay. And he sings this ecros and hits these singing bowls. Bing, 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 bing. And then at the end of the ecros, I fell down to the ground. I said, what did you do? He goes, well, that's your ego is so frightened of this experiment because they don't want to lose their, their job. And so I just shot him. And, and I, all of a sudden, I was relaxed. And I was like, wow. I said, well, the... Those chattering monkeys were delivering a message. So who gave them the message but the gorillas? I said, tomorrow night, let's go gorilla hunting. <laughs> okay. So the next ceremony, we went way deep. Yeah. And they, he just took those gorillas out of me, the gorilla of my brother's death, the gorilla of my my mother, the, the relationship mother, the, the gorillas of not getting jobs, getting jobs. All the traumatic experiences. So I came out of there a cleansed. Yeah. Changed you. Yeah. It was it changed me for the better. So you're that's so you're very supportive of these alternative medicines I and think experiences. So. Yeah, I, especially for veterans who are experiencing extreme yeah. PTSD, uh victims of assault that that can't get through it. Um addicts. Definitely addicts. I said something to the shaman about the addicts. He said I had a guy here who was sober 25 years, and he was throwing up so much liquid, clear liquid, and he just kept throwing it up and throwing it up. And the guy said, what's that? He goes, that's all the alcohol that's still left in your system. Wow. It really, the recommendation for that that ayahuasca ceremony uh, is for, Chronic depression, uh, severe PTSD, and addiction. I need that. Yeah, it, it's it's it's. I'll have to. I'm open to it. Yeah, it, it's going to push you to your barriers, and then when you break through that barrier, baby, it is light. I mean, you're walking with God. You can walk with anybody. <laughs> you can just. It's just beautiful. It's just like oh. 
and it, it's just gorgeous. How long does that feeling last? The first time I did it was like, oh, uh, you mean after? Well, like most things, uh, all the learning continues okay. for six, eight months. And then you have to kind of practice what you've learned to keep it alive. Okay. Can you just do it once and that's it for you? Or is it a continuous relationship you need to have with Oh, I, th- I, I haven't done it for maybe four years. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I feel in good shape and yeah. I'm very knowledgeable about the spirits, the puppeteer spirit and butterfly spirit. And I have a sweat lodge on my farm right along the river that I had some Native Americans from that area. They built the sweat lodge for me and I wanted wow. to pay them and they wouldn't take the money. That's nice. Because they said, we can't charge for spiritual work. Aww. But you can buy our wood for the fire. So yeah. I buy the wood, right? <laughs> and I Amazing. do sweats there and I do kind of shaman light. Yeah. Diet shaman. Uh-huh. Diet shaman. Not diet shaman, just not as intense yeah. as, you know. And But I know how to bring the spirits in. I know how to protect the room, keep the room safe. I can sense when somebody's coming to a barrier and I know how to bring them through it a little bit. And then we go into the cold river. The river spirit just blows everything out. So this started with self-care. Part of the self-care are those sweats I do. Yeah. The river. That's how you take care of yourself. Yeah. Be by nature. By nature. And uh, I'm creating this relationship with nature. Yeah. And you're giving back. I, I, you know, somebody said, what's it feel like to give back? I said, uh, I, I didn't know about giving back. Well, you're in a relation. You're almost in a relationship with this, like like you're in a relationship with this plant. Yes, you know? it feeds you. You feed. So it. I am continuing the giving. Yeah, I'm not giving back. Right. I'm just giving. Yeah, you have a relationship with the plant. Oh, she is a fussy little girl. Yeah. Sometimes, man. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. Too much water. Did I give you too much water? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Yeah, but she knows. She knows she's a lady, and she knows she's what she wants. a lady, and they're all different kinds of ladies. Yeah, I have one strain. This one <laughs> thing I wanted to call her runway model number seven Love it. because she's just so tall and beautiful, and she wants to look good all the time. I actually have speakers in my greenhouses. And while they're vegging, I play baby making music. You know, I like love that. Marvin Gaye's sexual yeah. healing. You Let's know? get it on. Let's get it on. <laughs> and then when they get a little older in the afternoon for a couple hours, I play some beautiful reggae. I love that. And then before we harvest them, I play gospel music because I want the ladies to reach. Please tell me you have footage of this. Uh, yes, I do. That's uh, that'd be amazing. Yeah, and I want the girls to reach to yeah. to God to their spirit, yeah. whoever it may be. And then when we harvest them, it's you know they they have they had a full life and they're ready to give more. That's amazing. Yeah. Well, I'm crazy. I'm sorry. No, I, this I'm is talking not, too much. Not at just, all. Not at all. I'm just so fully engaged no. with these girls. You know. No, not at all. <laughs> this is not too much. I really, honestly, this is such a you're so cool to me obviously oh, but well, this was such you. a um it was such an honor to have you on the podcast i feel i have so many more questions and i would love to have you back another time to like sure. talk about more anything that you would ever want to promote or whatever you're involved with or just like you know chat it up about weed and you know comedy it's a beautiful because well, i feel like we didn't even get into the comedy all right well comedy is another thing that's, that's another you know episode that's a hard lady to work i know and <laughs> i feel like yeah i would just like love to pick your brain on that for 
um, over a joint, over uh, some uh, marriage. What is it called? Uh, uh, marriage counselor. <laughs> marriage counselor. <laughs> um, where can people follow uh, Belushi Farms? Is oh Belushi Farms? I have an Instagram. It's mm-hmm. kind of fun and funny. Yeah. Um, I have a BelushiFarms.com, which okay. kind of explains the story. Some of the things I was telling you. It's yeah. got some good photos. I saw the video. I want to say before, obviously, I watched it. It's so beautiful of the farm. No. Like it was, I was like, wow, this is, I think, didn't Zoe Wilder get a chance to go? I, yeah. I mean, it's, it well, looks I, insane. I, 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 it's not like any other farm. I yeah. mean, there's a lot of growers that are just growing and trying to turn it over. Uh, I create, look, I have a daughter, I have a wife. Uh, I know they like to have a clean environment and, you know, in their bathroom and their room. Yeah. They, they're a little fussy and these girls are fussy. So I keep, keep a really clean farm, weeded, you know, everything looks really nice mm-hmm. and pretty. I've spent a lot of extra money to make everything visually yeah. satisfying. It's clear in this video. So. And then is there any, anything anywhere else people, you want people to follow you or find you or support or um, you want to shout out? I mean, we don't really do dates here because I don't know when this will specifically drop. Oh, no, no, not really. Just that, just Belushi Farms on yeah, Facebook, Farm. Twitter, Instagram. Nah, I, uh, I don't know about Facebook. I never liked Facebook. So uh, I, we are on Instagram. Uh, I am on Twitter. Uh, I do perform with uh, Larry Joe Campbell. And okay. The, the the board of comedy we're going to phoenix this weekend we're going so there's dates on like your web your personal yeah, website and personal things like website that? yeah and we're doing you know irvine improv okay uh, cool uh, i we have uh, talk about magic i mean we have so much fun and so beautiful and then you supply the weed for them after oh uh, no no because my weed is in oregon and i can't oh wait that's right yeah, we can't my, cross yeah. state lines not no yet. no belushi farms weed was consumed during this podcast no, in california but it was safely talked about yeah so, but just in for, the fall just for the record I'm planning to do a big release okay cool well i'm definitely gonna have to uh support that so. well thank you thank you so much again for coming on chronic relief thank you it's a pleasure being here This has been another episode of Chronic Relief. Thank you to our sponsors, Top Tree, at Top Tree on Instagram. Follow me, Wolfie Comedy, Wolfie Memes, and we'll see you next time. Thank you.